0: everyone to flyber footy this is phil and we have two co-hosts with us tonight i'm gonna to start with you santiago how's it going man
1: no great trying to stay cool with this uh crazy uh st louis weather lately but um i'm okay with the with the hot weather but uh, sometimes it's just too much but yeah uh, if i have to pick i will pick the hot weather over um winter so i'm okay with it i'll, I'll live through it
0: I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, this is the time where you really test. Would you rather have winter or hot weather? I always choose hot weather, too. And so we're being real with ourselves, Santiago, winter and summer. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Matt, how's it going?
2: I would prefer spring and fall, and I would pay whoever well. needs paid to make that happen.
0: <laughs> you but move, it's going it, it's You can going move to well. Seattle. That's kind of close to that. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Plus, I mean, it, tossing in the gloom and the rain and the clouds. I don't know. That's a rough trade tradeoff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But things are going well. Um, I am in between two kind of trips, soccer-related kind of. So I got nice. to go to the, the sporting uh, KC2 game last week, making a quick trip uh, to Cincinnati to watch the FC Cincinnati game on Friday, tacking on the end of uh, my wife's work trip before we actually get to watch City 2 back at home on Saturday.
0: Yeah, Rock Chalk Stadium? Rock Chalk, rock chalk Field? Rock at Chalk L- Park. Like you. Rock, cho- rock Choke Park. Hey, there you go. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah. Like you, that's painful for me to even say, <laughs> much less attend a game at. Uh, but, you know, was it good? It, I mean, it, was, it, was,
2: it was a good game, yeah. It was weird being there because... You know, I, I've never made the trip to Lawrence while I was in college or for anything Mizzou related before they stopped playing them in the Big 12. And so to travel to Lawrence for a St. Louis City Two soccer game was kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, but it was I mean, it was a great experience to watch our team go in in there and win. I just. Don't have any desire to ever go back there again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, what was the ratio of City Two fans uh, versus uh, Sporting KC Two fans?
2: Well, I so Sporting KC Two had a pretty good turnout. I think it's similar to the old Swope Park days, though, where most of them were family. Okay, um, and so City Two actually, Kyle Hebert's wife and friends were there, so they oh, had a nice. little family. Um, I think uh, Ian McGrane's aunt or uncle or something was there they were i think i think there was a relation there so there were some city fans um and some city family members there but i i I was pretty impressed with the number of sporting kc2 fans to be honest now they were all pretty quiet throughout so (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think any noise you heard on the broadcast i'm fairly certain came from us but
0: not bad the the field looked nice on the stream so that was kind of nice to see a decent stadium not all of them look all that good it was a
2: decent field there was some uh, brown spots definitely not uh josh mcpherson level but <laughs> there was some it was it was nice it was overall okay dropping yeah,
0: groundskeepers' names on the podcast yeah. well, done. well done
1: yeah the stream was was really nice too like I, I was surprised with the quality uh best from the from all the games i have watched um for MLS Next Pro, it's been the best so Ooh. far. They even had replays, so uh, if I oh. missed uh, a nice play, I was able to to see it. Um, so yeah, it was good. Yeah, fun. I saw
2: it. I really like it. it. In the chat, Derek Gottman mentioned the camera was way better this time, and and I think we owe to that being the game of the week. So I noticed. That's true. I saw I saw the infamous ghost cam. Mm. I saw where it happened. I that saw was. you posted that. Yeah. But they had um, at least two of the bigger cameras on both um, near corners, and then they had a main camera that I think was much higher quality than what exists at Rock Chalk. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful we get more of those game of the week, especially when we're away, because that's really the way you need to be watching this league. Yeah. For sure.
0: We didn't have this on the outline, but I think that's a good transition because I did want to say that we are going to get, with this new Apple and MLS deal, Apple Plus and MLS deal, um, a few MLS Next Pro games, but not all of them, right? I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. Matt, if you wanted to kind of yeah. talk some more.
2: They, they were really, really vague on the MLS Next Pro, MLS Next um, dedication. So all they said games i think select was the word they used so they didn't say the the full suite were going to be available like we were kind of assuming would happen with this new media deal but if nothing else i think that is alluding to maybe a higher quality for those select games knowing they'll be on apple's platform and apple is not one to just let anybody film in their
0: backyard and be on their
2: platform (laughs) like they have standards
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that it would be the same as this game, whatever the game of the week, but maybe they'll step it up some more. Maybe now is the time, now that we have a little bit more positivity to talk to the league about, maybe we can start asking questions about, hey, the feed was really good this week. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Can we get more? Can we get replays? Um, Yeah, any other thoughts? I know you guys just talked about this last week, Matt, but um, if you guys have any other quick highlights about your favorite points about this before we move on.
2: The sporting
0: game? Uh, sorry, the Apple deal. I didn't know if oh. I could say more about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we were able to touch on it uh, serendipitously last week with the timing. Um, you know, I so I've been thinking more about the original programming that they're sort of touting right now. And so knowing that it's going to be this MLS streaming service or streaming app within the Apple ecosystem, I think I'm kind of envisioning at least in the long term, if not right off the bat, something more akin to what the NFL network and MLB network have going, where you're seeing more consistent daily programming or, or, I mean, weekly at the very least, but, you know, thinking long term, it's a 10-year deal. I'm looking forward to what could be, and they alluded to it a little bit on like pods like MLS Today and Extra Time, where I would love to see those kind of guys, uh, David Goss, Andrew Wiebe, um, and Matt Doyle, get their own kind of shows if not them then you know similar Hmm. where you're having a morning show maybe every single day dedicated to mls like to me the possibilities are completely endless it just depends on how all in mls wants to go in producing all of this so i think we could go from pretty quickly having absolutely nothing on tv besides your two two and a half hour game blocks on espn and fox sports one to potentially multiple uh live shows per day hmm. that and and not to mention documentaries so the the thought of again looking what NFL has done taking your cues from them NFL films is kind of the gold standard of documentaries ooh, ooh. and and production companies and so seeing what they've done on their YouTube channel a little bit with MLS and um Kalen Carr has done some pretty cool stuff traveling to different areas hmm. i mean they there's again, the possibilities are completely endless. Yeah. Derek mentioned the hard knock style show. You focus on one team every single year to just build them up. That's how you can really start creating storylines because that's what this league ultimately to me needs. We need storylines. We need to care about the players in the league to get more national eyes on each one of these teams. Like I need to know and care about players that are playing for rail salt Lake and LA galaxy Beyond just like the DPs who you sign, who you know from abroad. Like they build up the players through these OG programming.
0: I also like that show that they play during the Champions League on Paramount. It's like the football something where they just kind of show whatever's hot at the moment and they do a good preview show and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty good. Santiago, any last thoughts before we go back to the game? I almost forgot about it. <laughs>
1: um, last thoughts about the game or about um, Apple? Apple. Yeah, so Apple, uh, obviously, um, for me, yeah, as Matt was saying, more exposure for the league, uh, more programming, uh, going from nothing to uh, possibly um, daily shows or um, several times a week. Uh, And a lot of people, uh, some people were complaining, well, you have to pay for it. So uh, uh, you don't get like the exposure you get now. But at the end of the day, like the net, like ESPN and Fox, they're just broadcasting the game, so the exposure um, is not really there. So, I think still is a good decision by by MLS and uh, Apple uh, will on, will not only give give it a exposure uh, exposure here in the US, but worldwide. So uh, that's important too.
0: Um, I'm curious of. I guess I'm going to ask you guys this question because... Oh, no. So I'm curious, since we get a season ticket... I have two thoughts on this. Since if we get a season ticket, we get a free... I guess we will get to watch the games for free. I'm wondering if we get all of Apple Plus with that or if just mm-hmm. the games. Did I it- think just the games.
2: So okay. the, it's it's a subscription to the streaming service or the streaming app for MLS that that we get for free. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the way that it the way that it seems you're going to happen is so let's say you have a Roku and you have the Apple TV app. Mm -hmm. So you would click on that Apple TV app and then within that would be an MLS icon or whatever box or or menu they have. Um, Right now it kind of, it's similar to me to what Peacock did with the WWE Network. Yeah. that, that In my brain, that's how it's envisioning. I, and I know they folded that into the overall Peacock subscription, but it's like that. It's like what uh, Showtime or PBS Kids is with Amazon, where you go into the Amazon app and you have access to Showtime or uh, Paramount or those kinds of things. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to have anything with our season ticket to do with Apple. But the cool no. thing is... When you talk about the exposure that Santi was mentioning, um, I'm totally on board with that line of thinking. What they're doing now isn't working. It's not growing the audience substantially with ESPN mm-hmm. or Fox Sports. And so the notion that you're limiting eyes on the product or growth potential, knowing that we're shifting completely, if you look long-term, from the the linear eyes to the streaming services, and that's what this 10-year deal is doing, to me, you're, you're able to kind of position yourself f- to future proof, almost your product and and to continue with, we need eyes on this because ESPN is in 85 million households. That's just, it, I mean, it's a definition of insanity doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result. Like it's not working with those partners as your primary sources. So mm-hmm. the, sorry
0: on that thought, I, I just heard this thing about Jon Stewart is on Apple plus. So it's a perfect comp, how people are talking about how Jon Stewart's ratings on Apple are not very good. But that on YouTube, he's exploding, that his views are super high on YouTube. So it almost backs up what you're saying here, Matt, that you're wherever you're streaming or if you're trying to get it to make it on cable TV, that's not necessarily a direct success anymore. You know, if, you, if you're getting millions of clicks on YouTube, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. In some cases, that could be better, could be more financially good as well uh but the um the also to kind of compare it to what you're saying about um, mls shows and stuff i'm just curious if they'll air it on apple plus or just let youtube take it i'm also curious what will happen to john stewart whether whether apple plus will keep him because he's not that useful to them if his ratings on their show aren't that good but maybe they dial in youtube i don't know it's just this interesting story about how how we all consume media right now in 2022
2: well, and the notion of ratings, I think, is somewhat becoming antiquated when it comes to these streaming services. They, I don't necessarily think that they're looking at individual ratings on a daily, weekly basis. They're looking at subscriptions. Hmm. How, how much money are we taking True. in and, and how much can they attribute MLS to that? And that, that's that last piece of what the the overall deal is. It's a minimum of $2.5 billion <laughs> over 10 years averaging out to 250 million a year but that's at the minimum Apple or Apple is also apparently given MLS some kind of revenue sharing mm-hmm. to if you meet certain subscriber thresholds then MLS gets an increased um, allotment so there, there's skin in the game for MLS to help Apple grow as well so that seems like a pretty legit partnership
0: one more I keep thinking of things to say I'm sorry we need to can't move along here but USL just posted that they got 197,000 game views on ESPN+, Plus, which was more than... ESPN. Oh, on ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. Pardon me. Which was more than MLS alone on that one channel, but they did pass them up if you add in FS1, but still... My goodness, USL is, is figuring out a model that works for them. I'm, you know, Each game probably doesn't get as much, but you know what I mean. It's, it's really interesting what, what and where we're getting our stuff. Last question I want to ask you too before we move on is, uh, do you think like Bally Sports, has someone ever mentioned this on any other podcast or video that you've seen? Do you think like Bally and Yes are still going to have like cable broadcasts or do you think they won't be able to? I'm curious if they'll double up in that way. Santiago is shaking his head no.
1: Yeah, from from what I saw and read, uh, basically, there won't be any local broadcast anymore. Okay. Uh, there will still be, like, there's still an option. And that's something that was interesting to me. Uh, like, you can still do um, radio. And uh, it sounds like there will be an option that if you're watching uh, the game yep. on, on Apple Plus, you can put the the audio from uh, the local radio broadcast.
2: Yeah, which is a a fantastic kind of middle ground to the notion that there will no longer be local broadcasts or local uh, broadcasters. So taking a lot of the more famous, uh, and I, I don't really know individual names, but I've heard Real Salt Lake and New York Red Bulls have really great announcers. And knowing that uh apple is kind of going to have a or mls is going to have a centralized group of announcers so like i think they were saying 14 teams at least plus any local radio broadcasters are going to be able to kind of switch the audio while you're watching through the mls streaming service is kind of getting you that local flair that people are complaining about not having Mm -hmm. so that's a really smart move on their part
0: love that i think it's super cool sometimes i've I think we've all turned on different audio at times when you just can't handle uh, what you're listening to at the time. Um, well, and, too, so that that local notion is where people are disappointed there's not going
2: to be local uh, broadcasts anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Speaking – and I mentioned this last week, speaking strictly from the St. Louis perspective, our local broadcast, as it's trash. Mm-hmm. Like, Bally Sports isn't even airing on significant uh, streaming services like YouTube TV and Hulu – so if you have those in the St. Louis area, you don't get to watch the Cardinals and Blues now. They're essentially completely blacked out, unless you're uh, borrowing passwords or pirating or something like that. <laughs> so DPN, DPN. And, and Right, and, but that would be where you would go to have the local yeah. broadcaster in St. Louis. Mm. The, the idea that you're going to get something on uh, KSDK or KMOV or Fox 2 that's that's antiquated. Like there haven't been dedicated uh broadcasts on over the air channels locally in years. So th- to me we're not missing anything in St. Louis by not having Bally a part of this.
0: Yeah, Derek also said the Bally app is trash and I've heard that <laughs> from more than just Derek for sure. Um but let's go back. Uh, thank you guys for indulging me there. I had a lot of thoughts on that and questions. Uh but let's move on to the game. St. Louis City 2 2 goals. Sporty KC two one goal, both from Schneider on the St. Louis side, but you know Vasquez scored for KC first, so it was a bit of a nail biter in that way. I didn't catch the game, I didn't catch the stream either in this case, so I'm relying on you guys, Santiago. I'd like to start with you, and then Matt can uh, sweep up anything we missed.
1: Yeah, so uh, the game started really were really well for St. Louis City to um, like it had a. Two or three uh, options, um, and uh, it's interesting because we we talked during our flyover forecast. We we talked a little bit about um, Sporting KC starting an MLS goalie, and that didn't happen. Uh, they actually had a, a goalie that it was his first uh, professional game, and and he he handled uh, he handled it really well. Uh, he um, he like St Louis had two three three options, uh, he. He was able to stop those. And it looked like St. Louis was going to, to sweep uh, Sporting Casey, too. And all of the sudden, like minute uh, 14, 15, long pass behind the back of uh, City's defense and Julian Vasquez, um the score. And then, uh, like, two minutes later, uh, Sporting Casey almost scored again. There was, like, a, some confusion between uh, Yarrow, and um, our goalkeeper, and uh, he saved it like right on the line. Um, and uh, things things look really um, like St. Louis like was trying, but uh, not creating many options and went to halftime um, one to nothing. And it didn't look like St. Louis could find a way. Hmm. Uh, the city too could find a way. Started the second half, um, a few options, but it's still like, it didn't look like uh, they were going to be able to um, break uh, Sporting KC2's um, defense. And then all of the sudden, two goals in two minutes, uh, as, as you said, uh, Snyder scoring a brace. Um, the second one was a, a PK, but it's still, um, St. Louis turned the game around quickly. And, and from there, um, like Sporting KC didn't create much. And St. Louis was able to to get the result. But we have our own playover, play, playover footy uh, reported over there. So, Matt, what did you see there? <laughs>
2: um, a lot of what you said. So, it started off, St. Louis was clearly on, on the front foot and clearly taking it to them as we thought they would. And the first goal, I think, um, it came out of nowhere, truly, because it was... It was created so quickly and it beat our back line so quickly with a through ball. You know, usually when we give up something like that, it's over the top. Um, I was kind of taken aback as it was happening, seeing that through ball placed so perfectly. So they had the ball on their their end about halfway through their zone. And it was just a, a perfectly placed. I, I don't think he, this guy could do it again if he tried through um, both of our guys. Akeel and Max were on them through them, through Yarrow and DeRosa, and then perfectly placed to where it was just uh, it was a 1v1 at that point. And Vasquez was clearly their best player. Um, he was clearly working the ref a lot during that game. And <laughs> as fans, we tried to let him hear it quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, credit to him, that's a pro move. And I think that was that his actions Vasquez is one of the things that led to, um, yellow cards at the end of the game for our coaches, uh, Lutz and Hackworth both received (laughs) yellow cards for, uh, basically not sitting down when the fourth official asked them to. So I I think that hurt us and our game plan for a little while. Um, the heat didn't help because by the time they scored their first goal, just 14 minutes in, we were, I, th- I feel like we were so much on the offensive that that just kind of took the wind out of our sails. And we had opportunities before that, Doling, Armstrong, and we just couldn't finish. That, the, the beginning of the game was typical City 2, where we're pressuring, we're pressuring, we're getting shots. We're not getting too many shots on target, but we're getting a lot of shots. Nothing's falling in. And, and that happens to us an awful lot. We ended this game with 26 shots to their six. And, you know, we only came away with one uh, goal in the course of action. So or in the course of play um, in the field. So I think that speaks to a little that speaks to a lot right there where we, we still cannot find um, consistency in putting the ball in the net and on target a lot. But once that first goal was scored by SKC, it took the wind out of our sails. We we were hot. We were we were bothered. We had a tough time finding that offensive and they found their, um, they they found their sweet spot and they had some momentum going and they didn't let up really until halftime. And then we did come back out at half. And I feel that the Carson Gibbs substitution is what really led to a, a big difference maker. And so, um, coming in in the 63rd minute for Ezra Armstrong to me You could just see it right away. That was the point where there are tired legs out there because it was so hot. They had to take two hydration breaks, one in each half. And Carson Gibbs is just out there and immediately running all over the place. And he is he's disrupting them and he's creating that spark that to me led to both goals uh, directly led to the second goal because he was the one who was fouled in the box. But even that first goal where it was it was kind of everybody's in the box. You're you're having our uh you know Kwame play the ball out to Celio on the right side, who gave a cross in, and it was more or less uh, just deflection. Wasn't even a straight hit, I feel, from Max um uh, mm-hmm. to put that ball in. But I think Carson causing a lot of that disruption and and fast-paced movement led to a lot of the open spaces that we had. And the second goal in particular, where his speed to get to the ball first in the box that Doling laid off for him and then an immediate quick move that caused him to be fouled was the difference maker in that second goal. So I, I attribute that goal as much to him as I do Schneider for completing the PK. And he he stayed with it the rest of the match. He If it wasn't for Schneider's two goals, I would have nominated him for man of the match because of the effort that he put in and that isn't too surprising because he's been in really great form the past few matches. I think he started two out of the last four matches now, and he's played in all four of our last matches. Hmm. And so I'm looking, you know, we'll look at ahead to rail monarch soon, but I'm looking to him to carry that forward. And I would love to see him get another start. And I think from the analysis perspective, one of the really interesting things to me is, how this game reinforced that we love to play the ball to the left side of our offense so much. Um, if you, and we've talked about the way that our backline often shifts and I, and whether it's Kwame or Ezra on that left back role, we usually push them up a lot higher than Ben DeRosa does on the right side. And so it oftentimes looks like we're running a three center back form because our left back is just pushed so high. And I think that was an interesting thing to look at in this game because we had Ezra Armstrong playing that left mid role and Celio Pompeu shifted from his usual left side over to the right side. And I felt like Ezra was much involved in the in the the action, at least in the first half um, until he was subbed off in the 63rd. But he had a lot of shots on goal. He had a lot of the balls being played through to him from Kwame. And Celio, he, he did make the best of his opportunities. Obviously, he can play with that cross he had on the right side. So I, I think it opened my eyes a little more about his flexibility in or, mm. in in our ability to put Ezra out there on the left when it's necessary. Diaz was hurt. Uh, Vitor Diaz didn't play, wasn't on the, the roster because he was hurt. I don't know what his injury is, but... We're wondering if he's going to play this week and knowing that Ezra Armstrong has the experience on the left-hand side and Celio clearly can shift over to the right. When Juan uh, plays that center mid role, that that to me opened my eyes a little bit to the possibilities and flexibility that we had, that we really hadn't seen too much of um, almost out of necessity. And then the last thing that I noticed is we played this game in the heat with a very shallow bench and I believe it was because all of our Academy players are occupied with MLS next cup playoffs that begin this weekend. And so I would look for that to continue, but I think the, the subs that we made almost emptying our bench with Carson Gibbs, um, AJ, uh, Sergio Rivas and Dita Armstrong there at the very end. Um, looking, looking to what those guys were able to bring in the second half for strong legs. Um, that, after we scored those two quick goals, I think gave us the additional momentum and oomph to keep Sporting KC2 on their back feet.
0: Yeah, fitness has definitely played a part in every single one of our games um, in one way or another, Um, even in a negative way, right? When we played Minnesota and everyone was tired and heavily rotated, that was definitely uh, something we noticed. And I love that you pointed out the uh, positioning um, that clearly the... The coaching staff or maybe through practice and and, and habitual playing there that you know one Kuzan likes to be on the right cutting in Ezra likes playing the left Pompeo likes playing on the left and um, not having that 10 or second striker um, that's usually there Diaz it's you know everyone felt a little bit off and looked a little bit off and it was kind of strange that one of our younger players coming in Carson kind of running his butt off was the final puzzle piece to kind of <laughs> get that goal in there. So I and thought it, that it really did cool. seem,
2: it, it really did seem like, um, Carson kind of subbing in for Ezra, put Celio back on the left side, put Juan back on the right side. Mm-hmm. Carson kind of fell in behind doling in almost, um, not a two striker formation, but you know, he, he was clearly playing underneath doling that, that kind of sub, Put those other two back in what i feel is more their natural positions and so the rest of the game seemed a little smoother uh with that with that
0: front midline the pompey on the right thing is interesting i I bet he doesn't like it is all i'm wondering but uh that doesn't matter um you know i didn't get much out of this because i didn't see the whole thing but um stats were insane matt you mentioned the shots it's ridiculous every single stack column is like two three five times better than the other um we this is a game that like it looks like we should have won five to zero or five to one on a lucky shot um but that said um do we want to trust the xg added up from MLS Next Pro, I don't know, so that's my caveat, right? But the XG was like two, a little over two. Um, so I found that interesting, even though we put up a lot of shots that the XG wasn't super high. Now, again, caveat, 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 one game, one XG stat, so don't put too much into that. Um, we seem to come out winning most of these games, and you know, that's that's a stat in itself. Um, so That is that the other thing that I wanted to say is that is it Vasquez that scored the goal? Yeah. Yes. He's the only supplemental homegrown player on that Ross on that starting 11, at least. Um, So I thought that was also interesting that um, everyone else was not. So that little the little ringer goal was was real. There's something to that. And they
2: only had one other substantial threat and it was colin fernandez that we had talked about Mm. last week and he didn't start he came in as a sub and so the colin yeah
0: yeah i love him when he's not playing for kansas city Exactly. Yeah, I've always really I've followed him everywhere he's gone because I really liked him in St. Louis. I liked him before St. Louis. Um, But let's move on. Let's kind of uh, brush through these a little faster than we have been. We're about at the halfway mark, so we still got plenty of time. But uh, Jal Klaus put an interesting tweet out. Maybe he's headed our way, Matt. Uh, You want to get a little more in depth with that? Seems pretty likely. um, You know, I I noted uh,
2: before we started recording that the next time we have a full show. Uh, we are likely to see all of our MLS players uh, have arrived or being uh, starting to arrive in St. Louis. Uh, Jacques Claus in particular had an Instagram post uh, last Friday with a picture of a treadmill and uh, a note that there's 15 days to go with a little airplane emoji. And mm-hmm. so that would put him on course for St. Louis on July 2nd. So that's exciting to know that, he may be arriving here about as early from a, a you know registration transfer window time frame as possible. I'm, I'm under no illusions that he's going to immediately be slotted in. We have a game on the second. He's not playing on the second. There's no way he plays against Rapids 2 on the second. But I think that's when he can start getting some minutes in on the, on the training field, see how his fitness is. Um, see how he's, you know, meshing with some of the players, maybe a sub opportunity here in early July might not be too overly optimistic to think about.
0: Not at all. No, 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 no. I'm sure it, it, Dolan could even use a rest. I imagine he may not want <laughs> it, but my goodness, that man's been going strong legs of iron. Uh, really love it. Um, That'll be interesting. A lot of our other quickly, and I don't think we're like studied up on this, so don't take it too strongly, but I think almost all our other interesting players like Selmir, Pedro, Ostrac, uh, Joachim Nielsen, I think they've all gotten knocked at the end of their season. Is that correct, Matt? I feel like we've been talking about all yeah. those guys. Yeah. So we may not be seeing them as, as soon as the others, even though we could use some some reinforcements on the back line, you know, if something were to happen with the short bench going on. I don't know what you guys think.
2: Yeah, we know we know Pedro and um, and Ostrak picked up some knocks that prevented them from potentially playing in some of their last games with their their former clubs. Nielsen was the most concerning. Um, the fact that he picked up a knock for Sweden and then came into that match that he picked up the knock with a knock. So he carried something in. He he was able to start. He was able to play, and then they had to sub him out for. Um, another undisclosed. So we're not sure if it was re aggravating or if it was a brand new injury, Mm. but we do understand that it's some kind of muscle injury. So the hope is, you know, he has all the time in the world before our MLS season. So there's, there's no concern for me on any of these guys to be in shape for that. It's just, when are they going to be able to take the field for city two? And I think that obviously I I would assume everybody is of the opinion that they should take their time, get Mm. healthy don't rush anything because there is zero reason to rush back for City 2.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. There is no reason to rush. And uh, I remember uh, Coach Hackworth said, yeah, uh, for them, like they just finished their season. Even if they are coming here in July, like they basically have to go through preseason. So I don't think we're going to see them early in July, any of them. Maybe we may see some get some minutes Uh, if I have to put my money on it maybe that July 22nd game against uh, North Texas Um, but even I think that's very unlikely maybe early August is when we will see some of them starting to to get some minutes and it will be interesting to see how the team manages their minutes Um, I don't think they're gonna go ninety minutes. Maybe they will play uh, a half, or come a, come in as subs, and maybe towards the end of the season uh, we will see more of them. But I think the team is gonna take it easy and make sure they get uh, acclimated to uh, the team, and and it's gonna it's gonna give them time. So, uh, we we'll, we'll, at some point we're gonna see them, but I think it's gonna it's gonna take a while.
2: Totally agree, and that um august 6th game is interesting because if you if you look to the competitive nature of the league um the last two matches we have in july are against north texas and the tacoma defiance who are the top two teams or two of the top uh three or four teams in the west and if you're looking at inform um, a, a, an existing team playing, and so bringing all of our current guys together to have those big matchups, I think, would be uh, a really smart way to at- approach it. Those who are in form and used to each other, and then you have a little bit of a maybe you can let off the gas. It's a kind of that that afterburner game against Chicago Fire two, where we have already beaten them five nothing. <laughs> um, this is the home matchup. So they're they're one of the bottom barrel teams in the league. It might provide that low stress in in comparison uh,
0: opportunity to maybe get some of those guys their first few minutes. Yeah, I don't know what the staff and the players think, but I still have like Minnesota burning a hole in the back of my heart. You know, I want to get them back. That was a bad one. Um, July 10th, July 10th. And even so, we were talking about how Volmar might be filling in depending on, you know, who's going where and when. And so part of me is almost still more excited to get Academy kids acclimated to this level because Volmar still may not quite be there or we're not sure what that is. But um I want those guys ready for MLS in the next two, three years at most, you know, the, the best of them, of course, not just any of them, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be just as excited to see an Academy kid as I would to see Nielsen on the field. And maybe that's just me, hipster Phil. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely of that opinion too. I want to see, and I mentioned this last week, I want to see more Aaron Hurd. I want to see more Fritz Walmer. Those two in particular, I think have the biggest potential to play next year heard more or less via reputation because we just i mean he's he's incredibly young and we haven't seen a whole lot out of him for the mls next pro side um volmer has had some decent success some some more minutes i think than heard so of the academy players those are the two that i'm i'm looking at and i do wonder to your point though you know as you finish out the city two season you have that one match at the very end of the year that could or could not be at sentine stadium does do you do you look to bring in some of those uh, mls players as not just getting them minutes but as a marketing opportunity yeah. to to get everybody excited as you finish out the year because in the in the gen pop world those are the guys who are probably going to be
0: moving mm-hmm. the needle more than the Academy players. I think you almost have to. That's a good call there. Um, another thing I, I was thinking about was the U 20 CONCACAF gold cup being played right now and uh, how, you know, clear we don't have a, a, a player in that quite yet. And so, you know, I was thinking of heard and some other guys who I would love to see in that competition in the next couple of years. Um, but also the fact comparing that to the fact that USA has by far the most pro minutes in their uh, U-20 team than any other CONCACAF country. That says something, right? They're, they're valuing that, um, rightfully so. And so our guys got a long way to go, right? How many academy kids are going to, you know, rack up the pro minutes of these U-20 players on uh, the city club? So that's something to aspire to and hope for um, as fans and as, as people in the club organization, I'm sure, too. Um, but that kind of leads us to another opportunity for that age group is a UPSL team um, being developed for St. Louis City too. Uh, UPSL is a uh, what a U23, the fourth tier of the United States soccer pyramid, sometimes fifth tier, depending on how you want to look at it. I think they have pro rel, right? So that's interesting, too. That's something I meant to look up before we started talking about it, which uh, which level of UPSL we're going to be playing in. We may not know yet, but this is super cool. This is super interesting. And for me, extremely unexpected for a lot of reasons. Santiago, do you want to lead us off on this one?
1: Yeah, as you said, totally unexpected, um, but it's still uh, another great way for the club to uh, give uh, opportunities to St. Louis main players. And uh, the, the the thing, the fact that they will, if they play in this team, they will keep their uh, eligibility for college and all of that is important too. And they will get exposure to, yeah, it's fourth, fifth year, but uh, it's still competitive. And um, will give them exposure to uh, playing um, against other teams from, from other places uh, within the country. And um, who knows? Um, it's, it's part of the, the, could be part of the, had to uh, professional for some players maybe some some will start at the U, UPSL level maybe then move to CD2 and then later on move to uh, St. Louis CDSC so so yeah it's another opportunity to uh, to give uh, local players opportunities to play to show their talent uh, but yeah I was really surprised uh, with this one because um, for me it came out of, out
2: of nowhere was kind of filling in a gap that we didn't know existed.
0: Yeah.
2: They so we the, when they first started City 2, they posited it as bridging the gap between the academy and the first team and the the release for this club says it's providing a pathway between the MLS Next U17 and City 2. Mm-hmm. So it sounds so besides the open trials, which is kind of why the news broke, is they're having pre-college open trials here in um a couple weeks and it's it's sounding like it's going to give opportunities for our academy players who maybe either need more time to make their own decision want more time to have uh, eyes on them to see if they are really more or less good enough for the pro level and and to continue uh, immediately towards city two um even guys like uh, who who are top tier in the U 17s who are playing for city Two under amateur contracts could give them opportunities because best of my knowledge um, like Josh Mayer right now hasn't started college. So he's maintaining his eligibility by playing for city Two under an amateur contract. Mm -hmm. Well, when, when his college time comes, you know, that he'll have to have made that decision. And so I guess this, for this next crop, so U seventeens that maybe are aging out of eligibility for that team, maybe some of them shift over to this UPSL team in the fall. And maybe we see some of them in City Two next year, maybe we see some of them go off to college. So it it really does seem like it's focused around the people aspect and nurturing the the holistic person that Lutz has always talked about where they're they're wanting to kind of Um, grow people and not just grow soccer players and so giving them this opportunity as much as giving the club another uh, component to their overall structure it's really interesting
0: to delve more into what you said which is there's a gap we didn't realize existed Um, to me it's more than that it's more I think it's the club is willing to invest and put money into something in because I think they still think there's kids falling through the cracks that St. Louis has more to offer that they may not be catching and they're scared, you know, that they might miss out on someone. I think that's, you know, to me, that's a possibility at least of what they're thinking. I really hope that's true. I believe that it's true. Um, and we haven't even gotten all these little, you know, coaching and and league structures thrown around the entire city yet. And so I'm just so excited for this, this network we have coming in the future. Um, to see it play out and hopefully bear some major fruit for our club and and just for the St. Louis kids in general, really the players, soccer players of St. Louis. I'm with you, Matt. I do think they're going to do a, jo- a good job developing these kids in all ways, not just in soccer. Um, let's move on to the Real Monarchs game that's coming up. Not something to get too worried about. I would say it was one of our most dominant games of the season last time, but it wasn't a gimme. Also, um, zero wins, 10 losses, and two draws for this team. So, you know, I think I'm mostly watching to see whether Tomas Gomez comes and plays this. Otherwise, I'm I'm not going to get terribly excited about the matchup. Uh, But again, it's not a gimme, right? Any thoughts from you, Matt?
2: Nothing's a gimme, but this this could be one of those trap games. But I don't think our club falls into that because uh, in order for it to be a trap game, I feel you have to take the opposition too lightly and we don't seem prone to that mm-hmm. and so e- even playing this month has told me that if nothing else so the the slew of teams rapids two notwithstanding that we have played in june have been pretty bottom barrel lower tier of the standings and we've played each one of those matchups like we're playing tacoma defiance or um well dynamo two is who we started with so I'm not so much worried about it being a trap game. Um, I just want to see more consistency, and this is an opportunity to provide that, where we talked about in the SKC matchup, 26 shots, seven shots on goal, one goal in open play. And that those are not good numbers. I mean, yes, it, it does prove that we have um, our, our mindset and our game plan is working we're disrupting and we're creating chances. But they're not meaningful chances, by and large. They're not enough meaningful chances. I want to see more shots on goal. I want to see uh, more possession, more or less, because I think this is an opportunity to kind of put our put our foot down, uh, more so than we did against Chicago, even. And so I'm looking for I'm looking for better finishing overall, uh, regardless of who plays, whether it's Doling or Juan or Celio finding the back of the net. I just want – I want – four or five goals out of this, which I think isn't honestly too much to ask for because you just said it. The Royal Monarchs are a joke of a team in this league this year. Like they're, (laughs) they're really, really bad. And it's hard to understand really why they're so bad. I I, I haven't done too much investigation on why they're so bad, but I think, I really think it has to do with that organization as a whole right now where they were forced, the owner was forced to sell uh, the entire thing um the MLS took over ownership of their team they didn't that yes they had kind of a, a sporting director acting in that role but they couldn't bring in anybody their organization below the MLS level just seems like it, it's a mess because this isn't the real monarchs we know from USL it's it's kind of mm-hmm. absurd to me and how embarrassing they are in this league and I don't see anything changing with that in fact the the only there's one player on their team who even, worried me in the slightest sense and that's Pedro Fonseca and he's their uh, super draft pick uh this year's super draft 53rd overall selection he has four goals on the year but he hasn't played since May 25th because of an injury mm. so if he plays it could be different you know they may have a little offensive spark but you know they only have eight goals total on the season and Pedro Fonseca has four of those before May 25th
1: and most of those goals, most yeah. sorry to interrupt, most of those goals they scored at the beginning of the season.
2: Yes, yeah, they're hmm. they're they're an embarrassment lately. Uh, you know, they weren't awful to start the season off. Mm-hmm. Um, they were at least slightly competitive, but that I mean, it's hard to it's hard for me to really like go too in depth about like the matchup because. Yeah. There, there really isn't that much of a matchup. You look at the goals, the goals against the differentials. The only thing they're beating us in overall this year are a number of yellow cards and they lead the league in yellow cards. This could be a really dirty matchup that we have to contend with. They could be flying all over the, all the field with the pressure that we like to put on. So they don't have any clean sheets. Uh, they are terrible with their attacking assists. I mean, they don't create chances with the players that have been playing this past month. So it's, i can't i really don't want to say like we should stomp them but we mm-hmm. should stomp them
1: yeah they have lost their last eight games that loss to st louis what was the first game of that 8 game losing a streak and uh one thing i noticed obviously when you look at their roster and their lineups uh one thing i notice is that they they have more i i kind of stop counting but they have at least 24, 25 players that had played in games, and uh, their roster is pretty large. So I don't know if it is because they have uh, problems in their structure and are trying to figure out what to do, or maybe they are trying it more as a developmental team and and giving opportunities to more players. But yeah, like at the the roster um, had a lot of players and a lot of players uh, starting games and and with significant minutes. Um, so, so yeah, like crazy. I, yeah, a lot of rotation. Mm-hmm. So on paper, St. Louis shouldn't have any problems, but uh, that trap game is always in the back of my mind. Uh, but just thinking about what Matt said, like St. Louis uh, has treated all these games very seriously, putting uh, their main guys, and and just thinking about the, um, the uh, MLS... Uh, mls next guys being uh on the playoffs you not your roster um the roster you're gonna have available for their game is gonna be a smaller so even if you wanted to do some rotation you're still gonna have some of your main guys so uh should be a win for st louis but and you never want to be the team uh that uh, loses to one of those teams on a streak, so uh, I think uh, Saint Louis uh, is going to treat the game very seriously and and take care of business on Saturday. With
2: with the form that we're in, it would be a shocking drop off to yeah. lose to this caliber team. And to your point of their rotation, they have they've played twelve games and they have zero players that have played all twelve games. Mm-hmm. One player has played eleven, uh, has started all eleven for them, and that's um, Neidiger. And he's, he's one of the players to look out for. Um, but they, so Kyle Hebert leads the league, uh, in minutes played per game because he's played every single minute for us. They only have and that's with 1,080 minutes, right? So 1,080 minutes over 12 games, they have one player who's played more than 900 minutes and that's the same player. They have four players total who've played more than 600 or 700 minutes. So they, they've they rotated a massive amount. So they don't have, it seems, continuity to their lineup like we've seen St. Louis and a lot of these other teams have. And it's clearly impacted their ability to create any kind of pressure.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, not wanting to be, to be that team that loses to Real Monarchs at this point in the season after that eight, eight, eight game uh, streak streak. I'd also hate to be a guy like Fonseca in the super draft being pulled to a a team like Real Monarchs and being forced to play with them. Clearly, he wasn't surrounded by quality. He was just stepping up and and making plays. That's really sad. I think our, you know, just to take a second to think about where our St. Louis our slew players and where they ended up um, in this league. They got lucky in a lot of ways, you know to be at North Texas Orlando's not doing great but Lynn is like second or third in the league in, in goals and he doesn't even play for them every game so our guys in St. Louis have been taken care of so far playing in this league and playing for two teams in MLS but uh man you could you could get stuck at Real Monarchs things could be bad <laughs> talk about yeah one I, I guess- changing your life you know yeah, they don't have many players to watch out
2: for. Um, Fonseca is the player. So if he's in the starting lineup, he'll be number 77. So that's a player to watch out for. The only other two that I really had that even crossed my mind as a potential offensive threat are Christian Neidegger, number 40, who has 11 shots on goal this season, one assist, and Tyrone Mondi, number 80, who has 14 shots and is second on their team in goals with two hmm. So not a whole lot of players to watch out for that are really proving themselves to be dangerous, but those would be the three.
0: Good stuff, guys. You came with with the uh, heat on that one. (laughs) Confidence and stats. It's a good combination for a podcast. Um, Let's touch on Mastermind being uh, declared as the official music director or whatever it is of MLS, of, uh, sorry, St. Louis City SC. And this is near and dear to my heart because... I do love Mastermind, I do listen to him, I do appreciate local St. Louis music in all genres and in all ways, and um, this guy is just like the perfect pick for that kind of a role, he is a kind person. I have a friend that worked with him, he's a musician, and they did some songwriting together just shortly, But, you know, a guy like that could have an ego. In fact, I'd say a lot of local artists that make it sort of big, like Mastermind has, uh, will end up becoming super cocky and don't want to talk to anyone. They're not open minded. This guy is the exact opposite. And he's just like a hard working, grinding musician, songwriter, producer who cares about his craft. And he cares about St. Louis and um, seems like a good dude. You know, I can't speak to exactly what he's like, but. Um, I know he's friendly online. He's very responsive if you do want to talk to him. So um, really love it. And I love just the move itself, which, Matt, I'm sure you can talk about. But the fact that, you know, I don't think any other teams in uh, MLS has done this. I know there's nope. DJs for teams. I know Nashville does the guitar thing, which makes a lot of sense. And is super cool. Uh, but this is different. This is way further than that. And it feels like a very big cultural declaration um, like many other we've seen already from this club and I'm sure this won't be the end of it either uh, but it's a nice trend I really enjoy it well with the with the name of his
2: role the director of musical experience thank you I'm interested to see how he weaves everything he's doing into um, mostly the match day experience but beyond that too so you mentioned the DJs before games or the guitar riff in Nashville those little isolated moments Well, it truly seems like he's going to be bringing not like an STL flair, but incorporating local STL artists in in addition to probably some more mainstream things that happen here and there before the game, maybe during the game halftime and after the game for sure. But making that a as organic as it seems like they've shown the overall experience to be important, I'm excited to see how that ends up uh, playing out and in practicality because there are a lot of different options. And with that East Plaza, there are some very tangible options that exist right outside the stadium Um, and that entire district more or less. So there, there are a lot of abilities to kind of create musical components throughout the entire area Um, all day, non game days. It just, it's going to be interesting to see how he puts it all together.
0: And like you talk about St. Louis players, not falling through the cracks and creating this team. Like, I love John Hamm. I love Pam from The Office. I forgot her, the actress's name. But, like, it is super cool to be able to, like, Mastermind's going to pull up these guys we've never heard of, and they're going to be so talented and so interesting. It's going to be, like, um, it's not going to be like Lollapalooza. It's going to be, like, Tiny Desk Concert kind of thing, kind of stuff coming from St. Louis, and I'm really excited about that kind of stuff. Uh, the East Plaza, too really good shot. i would love to see music music there no matter what kind of event it is and he's going to be the guy to kind of kind of be able to incorporate some interesting cultural stuff in that way um which is also when i did the tour that was my favorite thing the east plaza like i'm just thinking i don't know I, i don't know if you i don't think most people said that but that that was my my favorite thing in the tour um, do you guys want to talk about the world cup? Let's talk about the world cup and get out of here because we're going to be able to go see the world cup in 2026 in Kansas city, Missouri, right? Kansas it's coming city, Missouri. to Missouri. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm super excited. I've thought about just parking myself there and quitting life until uh, from the <laughs> beginning <laughs> to the end. Right. Um, so I didn't know Santiago, if you wanted to kind of lead us off on, on some thoughts on KC having the world cup in 2026.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Exciting um, because uh, it's the closest city to St. Louis. Um, Just three and a half, four hours. And um, it also opens the possibility of um, with all the world-class facilities St. Louis CDSC is building downtown, I bet there will be a team base here. Uh, One of the teams playing in Kansas City um, will probably Pick St. Louis as its base. We'll be training here, so um, that would be really good for St. Louis too. And and obviously, yeah, like uh, as I just said, like yeah, Kansas City really close to St. Louis. But as I started to look at the other cities, like Kansas City is like kind of just there, like in the middle, but not close to other cities. Uh, so just thinking about,
0: mm.
1: um, and yeah, that's four years from now. But just thinking about how will people manage to go to kansas city and um, then go to other world cup cities like the closest will be dallas which is like a nine ten hour drive but um, maybe there will be uh, different uh, alternatives for transportation in four years Um, but yeah i'm excited about kansas city uh, having a city close uh, to st louis and maybe having some friends come from Colombia or from other, other cities in the United States and stay here at in St. Louis and then travel to Kansas City and to other cities. Uh, it's exciting. It's just uh, an opportunity to uh, go to World Cup games um, if uh, we are able to get tickets. I think that's going to be really difficult um, in 2026, but we'll see. We'll see how happens.
2: When has it ever been a problem to get national team tickets for cheap?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> what country? We as long as you don't give beer, Matt? yeah, okay. as long as you don't
2: give U.S. Soccer <laughs> control over the ticket prices, we might be okay. God, uh, I, I'm I'm of the same opinion though. I'm super excited. A three-hour drive to get to Arrowhead. Um, they're going to be doing fifty million dollars of improvements to Arrowhead, which is a Kansas City problem now to figure that out. <laughs> Um, and in a perfect world, yeah, it would have been fun if St. Louis could have put in a bid. Um, for those who don't know, you have to have a forty thousand seat stadium at least to qualify to host World Cup matches. Toronto is, in fact, having to do massive seat increases for BMO Field where mm-hmm. Toronto FC plays in order to meet that requirement. So that'll be interesting to watch. But you know, nothing exists in St. Louis, and so I think it's it's nice that. If you look at the World Cup cities, Kansas City is almost on an island in the Midwest. You know they listed the Midwest or central um, cities, and Atlanta was one of the central cities they listed, <laughs> which was absurd. Yeah, that just goes to show like Minnesota didn't put in a bid. Uh, Nashville, Cincinnati didn't get it. So uh, well, Cincinnati's not really Midwest, but they would be the other closest. Did Chicago to us. apply? Chicago pulled out they didn't actually they didn't actually submit the bid they didn't want to go through the infrastructure improvements or you know down payments whatever that would have to occur so three hours I mean it's hard to beat that when you step take a step back from like a bummer of St. Louis not even being in the conversation it's three hours away to get to World Cup games that it's it really is a a once-in-a-lifetime thing you can you can think of it most of us probably know some people in Kansas City. I've already talked. I was in Kansas City last week, and I told the people we were hanging out with. I was like, "So yeah, we're gonna need this room for three months, <laughs> uh, and I'll let you know at, look later on when the matches will be." We're so you know, close. That, but the other thing that I'm even more well not even more, but still excited about is what Santi mentioned: the fact that with Kansas City being on an island almost to the clubs they're hosting. If they're going to host four teams, you figure that not all four will be training in Kansas City. One or more are likely to be utilizing the features in the district that St. Louis has. Um, World class stadium, grass practice facilities. This entire area will have, I mean, hotels built up around it to, to house them. I think it's going to be a bo- uh, ancillary boom for St. Louis that might not come into focus for quite a while, but knowing and looking at some of the other World Cup sites and where teams have trained, it's, it is it is very rarely where teams will train. Every single train, team will train in the city that they're playing in. They'll train in facilities surrounding it. Um, as long as there are adequate ways and quick ways to get transportation to the the city that you will be playing in, which St. Louis has with Lambert as a puddle jump over to um, MCI, I think True. I think it's a no brainer that St. Louis will get some kind of a national team training here.
0: I wish there was like a private train, like if you could, because the tracks there and they just canceled yet another. We're down to one trip to KC a day on the Amtrak instead of two uh, from St. Louis. So you know the tracks there it could be used. It's sad. I hope they uh, improve that before then, because honestly highway 70 is going to be just an absolute mess i mean during those situations i can't imagine driving there for a game from st louis it's going to be gross so we'll see how it goes though um i hope the good
2: news is arrowheads on this side of campus city so we don't actually have to go to downtown (laughs) and beyond we don't have to cross the state line to get to
0: yeah maybe we get off at lee summit or something like that i feel like there's a stop right before so yep, interesting Stuff to think about. Um, We just hit the one hour mark. I'm going to call it there, boys. Uh, It's been fun talking to you. Oh, Matt, I missed something. One other. You have that face like I missed something and you really (laughs) want to say it.
1: That's why the
2: video is super important. Yeah. yeah. One other quick plug. So the Realm Monarchs game uh, this Saturday at Ralph Cordy. Stadium. Um, I believe it's a six PM start, but the club recently mm. updated their Facebook page to denote seven PM. So oh. check your local listings for that one. Whatever time it ends up starting at, um, it is Pride Night. So oh, thank you. We're, yeah, we're capping off June with uh, City's official Pride Night. Every club has has one game they designate, and they have touted a um, players will be wearing some kind of local uh, pride. Uh, shirt or uh, locally created, which is different, I feel, and and worth calling out because so far we've seen the Fanatics site have the more or less generic rainbow-colored St. Louis City shirt. Um, We've hoped that the club and other clubs would do something a little more intentional and local and uh, provide proceeds in a more uh, meaningful and direct way and i feel that this is kind of sort of if not exactly what we've asked for so be on the lookout for some kind of merch to be able to buy um and i think it's supporting local uh local artists i don't know what if any proceeds are going to local causes but i do know that it is the last opportunity i believe last game in june last game in june yeah that's the last last opportunity to um make a donation or a pledge to the St. Luligan's Pride Raiser campaign, which is, uh, supporting the Metro Trans Umbrella Group in St. Louis. And so far, uh, based on, it, it's a pledge per goal. And so if you, if you haven't, or haven't heard of it, haven't seen it, STL.PrideRaiser.Org uh, to make a pledge and a uh, per goal, um, per goal donation, Right now, total through all of the pledges and donations, um, we're up to over $4,000 that have been pledged to support Metro Trans Umbrella Group. And this is the last game. So the club's going all out for Pride Night. Uh, The Luligans have been going all out all month, month plus. So get involved um, and help out those who are unduly marginalized and continue to be. So it's important. And I think the club has shown a commitment, dedication to it, and we should as fans.
1: Yeah, I love the, the way the club is, is committing to, uh, to this. Uh, as Matt said, um, exclusive Pride t-shirt uh, designed by St. Louis made artist Adam Kuhn. And uh, just looking at the release from the club, uh, the proceeds uh, are going to uh, the official Major League Soccer partner, which is a You Can Play project. But it's still, um, helping a good cause. The city players will be wearing uh, those Pride t shirts, and uh, there will be uh, other events uh, before the game. And uh, yeah, um, Pride Racer, uh, last chance to uh, make a pledge. And just thinking about uh, these uh, Real Monarchs, we may have a, a lot of goals to score. So uh, that would be good for the Pride Racer campaign.
0: Well said. Thank you guys for not letting me uh, miss that. I appreciate that. And you guys really killed it with the details again. Uh, Pride Razor is a good one to go with for sure on that. And I am excited to see, I'll be looking to see where the club is going to be sending those proceeds for sure as well, because that's vital, right? I think there's another MLS team that is pretty, uh, obviously not sending it straight to Um, a nonprofit of any kind when they sell their pride night uh, t-shirts and scarves and stuff or if they are they're not announcing it so that's important we got to make sure the money's going where it should be and i don't really have any worries about it i'm just curious to see where it goes that's it for us everyone thanks for listening we'll be hitting you up with another uh, flyover forecast (laughs) next week hope you've been enjoying that series i know i have and uh yeah we'll be talking to you then bye everybody bye bye